When a drowning man is resuscitated and brought back to the world of the living, he has to wonder, what world is he now living in? And then we take a look at the story of Marcus, who when he was only nine months old, his father died in a tragic accident. So how is it possible that 20 years later, when Marcus was out on a camping trip, he stared off into the forest and saw his father staring back? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having so much fun. We only got two episodes left until the end of season 18. After that, I'm going to take a two-week break, but I will be back. After those two weeks, I will also be doing my YouTube shorts, TikToks, the whole time. So if you want more Dead Rabbit Radio, just tune into the YouTube or the TikTok or the Instagram. I post this stuff everywhere, but daily one-minute true crime videos. They take me like five minutes to do, so I'm not taking a break off of those. But someone who I never take a break off, maybe I'll take a bite out of, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. I'm so hungry. Give it up for Strand. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> We're all licking our lips. We're gonna eat you up, Strand. Strand. Strand of spaghetti, hopefully. Strand, you're gonna be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps me a lot. <laughs> I, I won't make any promises that I won't eat you, but I'll try not to. Strand, let's go ahead and break out the hair hovercraft. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to glide all the way out to Tyler, Texas. <laughs> Is that the sound a hovercraft makes? I really only know it from the G.I. Joe toys. And as we're going out there, too, I want to say, check out the newest episode of the Asylum Case Studies. The Asylum Case Studies is a podcast that I've been lucky enough to be a part of a couple times. And on this newest episode, me and the host, Tressa, we review the movie Mega Piranha. It was terrible. It was a, ter- it was a fun experience. The movie's awful. So Astrand is using this hovercraft. Watch out for those mega piranhas too. I should have warned. I should have warned Strand before he took it out. I realize his head is gone. He's getting eaten a lot in this episode. He's now officially dead. Strand, we'll put your head back on. Take us out to Tyler, Texas, and let's take a look at this story here. This story takes place. We don't really have a time for this, but I'd say probably in the past ten years in Tyler, Texas, there is a man being pulled out of the water. Come on, help me, uh, get him up. Uh, they're like, his friends are straining to get him out and they throw him on the ground and he's all, uh, uh, he's like dying and stuff. And they're like, hurry up, dude. Hurry up, guys, do that thing we saw. Do the thing we saw. And people are like, what if we've watched a lot of stuff? We're adults. We've seen tons. And you know the thing? Like you push on his tummy and you breathe in his mouth. So they're like, okay. So they're doing that. They're giving him CPR. And then all of a sudden, <coughs> he spits up a bunch of water. Do you like that sound effect? It sounded like I was actually coughing. And he sits up and he's like, whoa, 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 where, 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 where am I, guys? Wait, who are you? Who are you guys? What's going on? What happened? And his friends are like, dude, you won't believe it. Like, you drowned. He's like, who are you guys? And this is the journey of this young man. We're going to call him. We don't have a name for this. We're going to call him Terrence. Terrence has no idea where he is. 
Terrence has no idea who he is. Because he's looking at this group of people. He goes, I don't know any of you. I don't know where I'm at. What's going on? The last thing I remember, I was hanging out with one friend. One, one friend I remember being inside. I don't remember being in Tyler, Texas. What is going on? And his friends have to convince him. No, no, you, I don't know how. <laughs> I was wondering how much oxygen your brain was deprived of. But you are Terrence. And we're your friends. And we're down here at this body of water. And you almost drowned. And he goes, no, none of that is true. None of it. So, of course, if your friend was doing this, of course, you're going to call an ambulance, right? You're going to take him down to the hospital. You're going to do something. So that's what they do. They take him to the hospital because they go, we th we're really concerned about you. Like, did, you would have to have some serious level brain damage to have this level of amnesia. To just not know anything. And they're like, what being a drama queen? You're only under the water for 10 minutes. Your lips are only half blue. So he goes to the hospital and they run a bunch of tests on him. He's totally fine. He didn't have massive amounts of oxygen deprivation. He didn't suffer any sort of brain damage that they can tell. And they're like, okay, you can go ahead and take your friend home. He's okay. And the dude's like, what are you talking? What home? I'm not from around here. I'm not Terrence. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, oh, great. The doctor at that point's already locked him out of the hospital. Your problem. He's your problem now. We already ran all the tests. So they take him home. And he walks in the house. He's like, this is exactly what I figured. I don't know this house. But the thing is, as much as he's saying he doesn't know any of this stuff, everyone knows him. And he walks in the house. It's not, like, familiar to him at all. But it's his house. He starts to go through, like, old yearbooks. Because see, at this point, you would start to be convinced. Maybe I am Terrence. When he starts finding physical evidence, right? When he's going through old yearbooks, and it's like pictures of him. He's like, wow, it's unpopular. He opens it up, nobody signed it, except for his mom signed it. You're my superstar. He's like, oh man, this is super depressing. I wake up in someone else's life, and he's a dweeb. He goes through old yearbooks. He's in them. What is he going to do, right? So he's like, obviously, I must have just forgotten this stuff, but maybe not. He's at this war with himself, but while he's in this life, he has a job, right? He doesn't, he doesn't know how to do it. It's a totally different job than he remembers, but he's like, I should just do this job, I guess. He's walking into the police station. He goes, I guess I'm a detective. He's, he's interrogating murder suspects. They're like, I didn't do it. He's like, yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't remember any of my training. You're free to go, bloody hobo. He's walking out. He's like, man, that, guy, that bloody hobo sure was honest with me. He has a totally different job than he remembers. Totally different life than he remembers. And four years go by. And for four years, he is slowly acclimating to what he thinks is a new life. But everyone around him goes, no, Terrence, this is you. So for four years, he goes in. He's doing all of his stuff. And he goes, you know, I, I've been holding on to this past for so long. And maybe it was, maybe it was just, maybe it was just a dramatic brain injury. I think I need to stop focusing on the past and be Terrence. And what happens is as he starts to make that change, things get better. And over the next four years, 
right? The first four years he was fighting it. Now the next four years, he actually got a promotion at work. His social life is doing well. He's hanging out with his friends again. He kept freaking them out by going, who are you? Who are you? He he was like, I may not remember exactly who they are or who they were, but they, you know, I should hang out with these people. They are calling me constantly going, are you okay, Terrence? We're still really worried about you. So he gets a promotion at work. He's making new connections with his friends. His social life's working out. And, and the next four years of his life are some of the best four years of his life, or at least the best four years he can remember. And then one day, he wakes up face down in a puddle of his own piss in a dirty room in his best friend's house. He feels this warm urine on his cheek, and he's looking at the carpet. He rolls over, and he goes, Damn it. I'm back in my real life. That's the story of a man who uh, used salvia one day. Salvia is a, it's, it's such an interesting drug. It's legal a lot of places. I'm not recommending you do it. I hope that was a story that didn't make you go, oh, I should try that. So it's a super hardcore mind-altering drug. And I know there's a lot of psychonauts out there and to be like, well, technically it doesn't alter your mind. It messes with your brain. Whatever chemical reaction it has, it's not good. And this the story, this man's story is one day his buddy goes, hey, you want to smoke some salvia? And he said, sure. And he took a hit. And the next thing you know, he woke up in Tyler, Texas, being pulled out of the water while his friends are trying to bring him back to life. And he lived eight years in Tyler, Texas as this new person. In reality, he was probably high for maybe, like, a couple minutes, right? So he wasn't in the puddle of his for eight years. His friends are like, ah, oh, he'll pick himself up eventually. The whole trip, like, generally when you do salvia, it lasts for about five minutes. And then he figured, give him an extra two minutes to pee on himself. So he's probably down there for less than ten minutes. But in his brain, it was an eight-year journey in another man's life. Salvia, salvia is, I've never done salvia. I've been offered it many a times. I've never done it, but I've known really close friends of mine who have done salvia. And it's, it's a trippy drug. Not, not because it literally takes you on a trip. It does that. But the way it works, one of my cousins, a very, very good friend of mine named Billy, he was into all sorts of drugs. And uh, he tried salvia, and I'll always ask people, dude, so what was it like? Like, what was your trip? Because it's always crazy. And he goes, I smoked salvia. I was sitting on my porch, right? This is Orangevale, so you could do this. He was sitting on his porch, and he was smoking salvia. And he goes, all of a sudden, I might have told this story before on the podcast, so excuse me if I'm repeating myself. I find it so fascinating. My buddy Billy, cousin Billy, is smoking salvia on the porch he goes i took a hit and the next thing i know i was a brick i was a brick i go what he goes i was a brick like a brick in a building i turned into a brick he goes specifically it was like just my head like i still had my body but my head was a brick and the brick was in he goes i could look both ways and i could look up and down he goes it was a brick wall that went on for infinity in every direction. He goes, I looked and I looked to my right and I looked to my left and I just see 
nothing but billions of bricks in both directions and up and down. He goes, and it scared me so bad I was trying to get out of the brick wall. <laughs> All of a sudden, I put on a little Pink Floyd and everything was okay. You know, he goes, I jumped up because I, I knew my body was still human. And I began running as fast as I could down Greenback, which is a main thoroughfare in Orangeville. He's running down Greenback. He's over by the Youth Center, right up past... I'm telling you guys exactly where this is at if you ever want to visit it. It's past um, Cable Park. You keep going. There's like a Youth Center on the right-hand side if you're headed towards Roseville. Anyways, he's running down the street. He's giving people directions. He's like, no, keep going. Turn, Make a left to Cable Park. He's running down the street as fast as he can. He goes, but the wall was moving with me. And no matter how fast I ran... I could just feel the wall. There was no escaping the wall. And it lasted like for five minutes. And then he turned back to Cousin Billy. Now, when he told me that story, I laughed. I laughed so hard. Because I could just imagine him running down the street, just sweating. Afraid that he was a brick wall. But my Cousin Billy is now doing 17 to life in prison. Because he killed the dude. Stabbed him. And so you think, is that story, was he seeing a future? Now, he was into some stuff, right? He was into some stuff. And I remember once we were talking and he goes, Jason, I hope I never kill anybody. I hope I never kill anybody. But he lived a life where that was possible. Right? That, that was something that could happen. So the question is, is like, did the Salvia show him the future? I mean, I hope he gets out, right? I hope he gets out. I really need to write him. It drives me nuts that I don't write him. But you have to think, was it showing him the future? Did he already feel like he had nothing? He was just a brick in an endless wall, just another rat in the rat race? Or is it actually showing like this is your future? Now, he could have changed it, right? There, I don't think the future is predetermined. But it's so fascinating, Salvia, so fascinating. Then you have a story like this, and what I find interesting about this is we talk so much on this show, and we'll, we'll actually kind of mention it on tomorrow's episode, last episode, quantum immortality, right? We talk about it a lot on this show, and I find it endlessly intriguing. That's kind of what this is. Quantum immortality is where you die and you slot into another body. Now, I'm not saying this guy died because he did Salvia, but what if it triggered the same thing? What if he actually did go into the body of someone in Tyler, Texas, who had died? And then it popped up with this new personality in it. And then he's going around like, was it totally hallucination? Or did he actually, in another timeline, spend eight years in this body? And if he hadn't jumped into that body, that body would have just been dead. They would have mourned their friend who drowned that day. And that would have been the end of it. But because this dude teleported into the body of Terrence, they got another eight years with him. I don't know. Fascinating, fascinating story. And I uh, let me source this, too, because some of you guys may be familiar with this story. I found this on the X board. Someone was talking about Salvia, and they said they heard it on a podcast. Now, because the X board's completely anonymous, I don't know what podcast it's from. Some of the details may, because we're playing a game of telephone at this point. They heard it on a podcast. I'm hearing it from this anonymous poster. But they had a really interesting thread on the export about Salvia experiences. And and the poster who told that story said, his question was like, what in the world is Salvia? He tells that story I just told you about. And Terrence was a fake name, right? Well, he was a fake person. 
right? He Who knows who that person was or if he even existed? Terrence from Tyler, Texas. He also shares this story. It's very short. He says, I also heard a story about a guy who was doing salvia once and he hit it. And the next thing he knew, he was a coat of paint on the side of a barn. And he was that coat of paint on the side of a barn for 20 years. And he felt every minute of just being pasted on that barn. Every minute of every day for 20 years. And then he's back with us. So what is Salvia? Do you actually teleport to another reality? Did he go to another body or did he just imagine all of this? And then you'd wonder when you'd wake up out. I remember once I read a story a long time ago. These two dudes, the very first, this is hilarious. The very first time, the very first time these two guys were smoking some Salvia, it was September 11th, 2001. And they smoked it, and then the news interrupted, and they're like, a plane just crashed into the World Trade Center. And I remember hearing this story, like, in 2005, and they go, we don't know what's real. Like, it's, we still can't figure out if this is real, where, where we are. They're currently deployed into Iraq. They're like, guys, wake up, wake up, we're in Fallujah. They're like, I don't know. I don't know, this might all be a dream. Yeah, they smoked it and the news turned on, right? Whatever, they were watching The View or whatever and it, the news got interrupted with a plane crash in the World Trade Center and they just sat there. They were like, all these years later, we don't know what's real. We don't know if we smoked ourselves into the war on terror, which, which to them, that's what it would feel like. They took hits of Salvia and then as their trip was starting... Everything changed in America. Fascinating, fascinating. I, again, I'm not saying you guys should do it. I think it's probably highly dangerous, but and it doesn't seem to be super recreational. But I'm surprised more people don't do it. <laughs> you just read about a guy who turned into a coat of paint on the side of a barn for 20 years. Do people abuse cough syrup? Strand, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Tyler, Texas. Or are we? We're headed all the way out to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> 1982-ish, around that time, is when this story starts off, and we're in the Pacific Northwest. And then we're going to meet a little boy named Marcus. It's not his actual name. That's the name we're going to be going. We don't know the person's actual name. But Marcus was a little nine-month-old baby. So what do you do at nine months? You just kind of gurgle and roll around on your tummy. He's doing that. He can't. He's not even smart enough to do it at the same time. He has to roll, then gurgle. And while Marcus was just being bounced on somebody's knee, his father and his father's friends were down at the river. And they had a canoe, and it got stuck. Oh, come on, man. They're trying to move the canoe off. Uh, 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 trying to get off these rocks. And they go, hey, Marcus is dad. That's the, only, that's the only name they know him by. The only reason he's cool is because he has a cool baby. Hey, Marcus is dad. Can you come over here and help us get it unstuck? And Marcus's dad was like, sure. And they're fighting with the canoe, trying to get it off the rocks. And the undertow snags up Marcus's dad, pulls him under. A few days later and a couple miles down the river, Marcus's dad turns back up. He's dead. He had drowned. 
that wasn't a theme. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do a drowned theme episode. I didn't even think about it when I put these two stories together. But Marcus's father passed away when he was only nine months old. Now we're going to flash forward 20 years. We're around the year 2002. And Marcus finds himself camping in the same area where his father passed away. Like, after 20 years, right? And he didn't really even get to know the dad. Like, I don't know if a friend of mine got killed on a certain city block, if I would feel comfortable going back there. I'm like, oh no, he died in the only Chipotle in town. No! You know what I mean? Like, life goes on. Life goes on. My Uncle Jeff got shot in that gang shooting at a jack-in-the-box in Orangevale, and I still went to that jack-in-the-box. I mean, like, it happened when I was a little kid. But I, I'll admit, when I went to that jack-in-the-box... I was always like, like I was never happy because you'd have to sit in that drive-through and you'd be like, oh, this is where Uncle Jeff got shot. Right? I did a, a whole episode on on that. I'll put that in the show notes. But I was like, yeah, we you'd end up going to the Jack in the Box because it's only the, the only Jack in the Box within like twenty miles or whatever. But it's like, oh man. So I get it. Like you would go back. He didn't even really get to know his dad, right? I knew Uncle Jeff on the other side. He survived the shotgun blast to the head, but it really messed him up. Anyways, um. What was it talking about? Oh, yeah, I was talking about this story. It was talking about the story I'm supposed to be talking about. So he goes to hang out of the river because it had been such a long amount of time. And what else are you going to do? It's the place where you hang out. So there, 20 years later, Marcus is on a camping trip with his girlfriend, his best friend, and his best friend's girlfriend. So it's a little quartet, a little group of four people headed up camping. And you know what? It seems like Marcus kind of needs a camping trip. When you look at not only... Marcus's story when he wrote this out when you look at other posts that he made he struggles a lot with depression struggles a lot with depression and he even states that he has had run-ins with suicide I don't know if that means suicidal ideation or if he's attempted suicide but he does say that you know suicide has played a factor in his personal life he's posting on the depression subreddits and he mentions suicidality in this story as well. So it's 9.30 p.m. And him and his best friend, they kind of walk away from the camp. <laughs> the girls are being attacked by badgers. They're like, ah, oh, you guys can handle it. They walk away from the camp and there's like this rocky outcropping. And both of them are just sitting there smoking cigarettes. And Marcus is looking out over the river. The same river... That his father drowned in. Now, not the exact same location. But the same general area. He's smoking a cigarette and he's sitting on this rock. He looks across the river and he sees someone standing there. Someone's standing there and it, this person is staring at Marcus. Now, you know what? It's a public area. You're allowed to stand and stare where you want to stare. But it's a little late to just be standing in the forest, right? It doesn't look like he has a camp set up. What's this guy doing there? And as Marcus is looking at this guy, it dawns on him. This just isn't some random dude. That's his dad. Now, he was nine months old when his father died. He never really got to see him, or he did see him, but he didn't really remember it. But over the years, you know, he'd seen photographs. People talked about his father and... You can kind of put a mental picture together, and he goes, that's clearly who was standing on the other side of this river. 
Somehow through the distance, somehow through the darkness, he knew this was his dad, and he turned to his friend. He goes, do you see that guy over there? And the friend looks over and goes, what? No, I don't see that at all. What are you, what, what are you looking at? Is, is it like a deer or something? And as Marcus is staring at this figure, all of a sudden, a spotlight appears. <laughs> Suddenly, the area around his father is lit up. He can clearly see now this is his father. The man turns and starts walking about 20 feet to his left and then moves a little bit back into the tree line. But Marcus still can clearly see his dad turn around and pick up a bag and start kind of rustling through a bag. Marcus is shaking at this point. He's watching his father prepare something. His best friend goes, dude, what, what are you looking at? What's wrong? But Marcus can't even speak. He knows that from the best friend's point of view, he's just staring out into the darkness. He's just looking at nothing. But he sees this entire area clearly illuminated by some sort of spotlight that is shining on his father. And the dad turns around now, and he's holding a noose. He throws one end of the rope up over a tree branch, ties it down, puts the noose around his neck, stares directly into Marcus's eyes, and then hangs himself. And even while hanging there, as he slowly sways back and forth, the entire time he's staring directly at Marcus. You have to imagine, right, that this would open up a whole lot of questions. First off, first off, did I bring enough pants? Because I pooped in these. Like, that would be a terrifying thing to see. But once a little bit of time and a little bit of distance is between this horrific vision or haunting or whatever you want to call it, Marcus starts to... This is So this is where Marcus goes with this, and I totally think this is a valid way to look into this. Marcus went into this whole thing thinking, was I lied to? Was I lied to? Because people do do this. This does happen. He goes, what I started to think was that my father did not die by accident. My father killed himself. And he was showing me that he killed himself. And that took him on such a journey that he began questioning members of his family. He was like, hey, what happened to my dad? And they'd be like, well, he's trying to get that canoe loose and he drowned. And be like, well, you know, I think I'm old enough now. I think you can tell me the truth. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? He, he drowned. He took this journey so far, he's questioning his family. He goes and he gets a copy of the death certificate of his father. Accidental. So, that's one way to look at it, right? You're at the place where your father died. Families do often cover up suicides. Suicide tends to run in families, right? If you have a close relative who committed suicide, the chances of you committing suicide go up. Father committed suicide, I can imagine. It doesn't guarantee it. It doesn't guarantee it at all. But we do see those patterns. So if his dad... We know that Marcus is dealing with suicide as an issue. If his dad committed suicide, that would track 
right? That would make sense. So then he started thinking, okay, so maybe my dad really did die in a accidental way. He was trying to get this boat loose and he drowned. Was my dad trying to warn me of something? Because I do struggle with suicide. The, the wording he used, I want to read this exactly what he said when he talked about suicide. He said, quote, I had numerous close calls with suicide as a young adult. So I don't know if that means he would mentally was like, he had the suicidal ideation. He's like, oh my God, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. And he gets someone to like talk him down. Or if he actually attempted suicide. There's a big difference between the two. Right? There's suicidal ideation where you just think about it all the time. There's the stuff where you you can't stop thinking about swallowing the pills. And then there's the one where you've swallowed the pills and you're calling 911. Like, it's the same thing between wanting to be like, oh, I swear to God, I'm going to beat my brother up with a baseball bat versus grabbing the bat. <laughs> versus grabbing the bat and taking a swing at him because he wants to keep watching his favorite show and you know it sucks. Big difference. So... I don't know, but he goes, was my father warning me? He does talk about the close calls with suicide. He goes, but none of them involved hanging. So it wasn't like he ever attempted to hang himself or really even thought about hanging. So why was this vision of his dad hanging himself? He, he didn't really understand that. And then he thought, and this is kind of where I was kind of going with it. Originally, when I was reading the narrative, it did seem like maybe his dad was trying to tell the truth, right? Showing up, this is the real way I died. But when you kept reading it and he started talking about his investigation, you go, okay, I believe... I mean, the family can lie, but the coroner generally won't, right? So the other one was that maybe it wasn't my father at all, which is the creepiest one, right? That it was some sort of demon, some sort of wraith taunting this young man man who already struggles with suicidal tendencies, this demon, this dark spirit, is taunting him, is showing him his biological father killing himself in the woods, staring at Marcus directly while it hangs. And it's like this entity was trying to goad Marcus on. Even lie, right? Even lie. Say, your father really died this way. Come join him. Come join me. I meant to say, I'm your dad. I I said it in the third person, but I'm not really a demon disguised. Join me, son. Join me. A malevolent force trying to trick him into committing suicide. You know what's interesting is we don't know which one it was. Right? The thing with the paranormal is you very rarely get a concrete answer. So was this his father showing him this horrible vision for some reason? To warn him? Like, was it a at least a good reason? Or was it a darker force trying to manipulate Marcus into committing suicide? We don't know. And one of the issues is, is that the person who posted this goes by the username... Plasmo Desmaniac. And this, I looked through this person's posting history. They generally posted in a subreddit for depression. 
talking about how things, you know, they can get better, but a lot of times they're bad and just kind of, you know, trying to help other people out with depression. They haven't posted in 10 months. This story was posted 11 months ago, and they have not posted again for the last 10 months. And and I should add, too, that Marcus is now 40. This story just didn't happen a while ago. This he this story happened 20 years ago. This uh, Marcus character, again, it's a fake name. He's 41 now. He says his age. I'm 41 years old. And so he's been dealing with this story for 20 years. Why does he bring it up 11 months ago and then one month later stops posting for good? As far as we know, right? Maybe he does, Maybe he will start posting in, in, you know, still be posting. But kind of the implication, the unfortunate implication is that something's happened. And then just to put another weird twist on this, I don't know why this happened. He posted this story 11 months ago. And then one month later, he was posting in, the, in a depression subreddit. And in the thread they were posting was, how do you cope with suicidal thoughts? The last thing he wrote was when talking about suicidal thoughts, he, how he struggles with them or how he copes with them. He goes, I go shopping, maybe at a grocery store and just make a point to talk to people that work there. I don't want to take out my issues on them. So it kind of tricks me into being nice and happy for a minute. Eventually, I don't feel like dying. It's an odd story. It's a it's a it's a fascinating ghost story, and then the real life story is absolutely tragic. Like we, this guy's been struggling with this vision for twenty years. He saw it when he was in his early twenties. Now he's forty one, and he was never able to make sense of this all that time, two decades. He's not able to figure out why his dad did this. Was it his dad? Why did he get this message? Why did his dad kill himself? Or was it even his dad? He he can't figure that out. We can't figure it out. And it's possible that we will never figure it out. I'm hoping he just left Reddit. Reddit is such a cesspool. Reddit's one of the worst websites on the surface of the internet, hands down. So if someone stops using Reddit, I'm totally fine with that. I think it's probably a good thing. But it's also possible the reason why he hasn't posted in 10 months is because the struggle became too great. Keeping up the illusion that he was happy was too great. And I hope not. I hope not, right? I don't wish suicide on anybody. Death, really, on anybody as well. But We're left with nothing but questions. What did he see on the other side of this river? Was it taunting him? Was it trying to warn him? It's The warning thing seems so weird because you think the dad would just be like, you got a lot to live for, bro. I'm I'm a ghost. I'm a ghost with the most. I'm Beetlejuice. You didn't know your dad was Beetlejuice, bro? And don't kill yourself, dude, because although it's cool to be a ghost, look at me. I'm dancing with these cockroaches and stuff like that, hanging out with Christina Ricci or Winona Ryder, whoever was in that movie. Don't be a ghost yet. That's what you would think a warning would be, right? You don't, I mean, like, if someone, just give you guys a heads up, if you die and then you want to warn me of some calamity, don't show up and just stare at me. I'm not going to get what you're saying. And especially don't do something gross, right? So, 
you know, you, there's other ways to do it, even if you couldn't talk, even if you weren't Beetlejuice and you could go on a cartoon slide. Even if you weren't Beetlejuice, you have to figure out another way. I lean more towards this was something malignant in the woods, showing him something so grotesque. Something so grotesque that it stuck with him for 20 years. Something that was so awful that t even 20 years later, he's still seeking answers. And not in the kind of way like, is my apartment haunted? In the kind of way is, why would my dad do that to me? Like, I already grew up without a dad, and then the next time I see him, he's hanging himself in the middle of the woods. And he has to know that I struggle with suicidal thoughts. It has to be something darker. It has to be something more malevolent. And if that's the case, this may have been Marcus's vision. And Marcus may have gone on the next 20 years dealing with that. But this thing wouldn't be limited to Marcus. This thing may still be out there in the woods. Waiting. Watching. Hunting. It stands in the darkness. Ready to take the shape of a person's greatest fear. What will it show to you? deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs> <laughs>